Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. all you cool cats and kittens. This is your host of the She Slays the Day podcast, Lauren Brunswick. Sorry, I've got Halloween costumes on the mind and I'm like not really sure what I'm gonna do yet, but like I'm really, yeah, I'm I'm thinking of bringing back, um, not Joe Dirt, Tiger King. You know who I'm talking, basically the same dude. Tiger King is the real life Joe Dirt. Um, okay, so we're gonna keep it short today, Because the episode is long, my intro will be short. Yeah, that's what I mean. Not going to go on too many tangents. Um, This is a good episode. I will tell you if you are running or like driving, this is going to be one of those episodes you want pen and paper. So it's fine. You can listen to this. You're just going to likely need to re-listen to it because um, my guest today, her name's Virginia Kerr, and she's a video strategy um, the video strategist. That's what a great intro, Lauren, right? Um, and she drops so much information. It's, it's fantastic. You're really, really going to like it. Speaking of running though, I do, I, all right, I can't keep my intros too short. I have to tell you this story because I think it's funny. So, Callie Horseman, um, who was my a T10 intern of mine years ago. She's now a very successful doc in, uh, Unala- not in Alaska, in Holman, Wisconsin. And she, how was this? She sends me a message. She's like, hey, I was listening to your podcast about like you running and listening to true crime. Have you listened to the podcast Morbid yet? Um, I just listened to the Pappin sisters. You should listen. And I'm like... Ooh, sounds fun. It's October. It's spooky season. Sounds good. So I listened to the Pappin sisters. It's great. It's about these like French sisters who like brutally murder their um, boss in 1920s France. It's like, ooh, wow. Okay, entertaining. So then I'm listening about like the West Salem uh, witches trials and like that's interesting and like, oh yeah, I'm really digging this. So Last week, I'm about to go for a run and I um, get up like I'm going to listen to another episode of Morbid. I've listened to two episodes and I'm really liking this. So I just click the newest one, which is the Chicago Ripper crew. And I screenshot it, share it to Instagram, like loving this recommendation from Callie. And I start running. Now, it, it is a great podcast. Not that episode, you guys. Oh, my God. Don't go listen to that episode. So uh, they give a warning 
of like, hey, you know, this one is, is pretty intense. So like, if you're not in the mood, I'm like, I'm in the mood. So I'm running about a mile in. So about like 10 minutes into my run, this episode is so disturbing. I stopped to walk to go back on Instagram and share the story like, hey, warning, because remember, I shared it. I shared it before even listening to that episode, just being like, this is a great podcast. And people could see which episode I was saying. So then 10 minutes in, I'm like, actually, this specific episode is pretty messed up. So forewarning. And then I go back to running. Another two miles later, I almost have to stop and throw up because this episode is so disturbing. I go back on Instagram and take it down because I'm like, oh my God, I can't have people thinking that I am associated and recommend this terrible, terrible podcast. So then I sent Callie a message being like, holy cow, what kind of thing did you send me, you jerk? So anyways, there you go. Now most of you are going to be like, oh, I am totally interested. But listen to this episode first, guys, and then you can go listen to Twisted Stuff. Okay, before we pray, let's do a listener highlight. So this is actually from an office manager who sent me this on social media. She said, you've changed my boss's perspective and desires to post on Instagram stories with your podcast. It's awesome. And the engagement we're seeing is already huge. Thank you so much. I just think that's really, really cool because like sometimes I think that only chiropractors listen and then I like get things from their CAs and I'm like, this is so neat. So thank you so much, Morgan, for letting me know. Um, That means a lot to me. Okay, so you guys, um, we're going to get into like Virginia's story a lot more. But like I said, she's a video strategy coach. You guys, that was the word I was looking for. Coach. Um, And her whole thing is to give you simple, usable video strategies, um, helping you become more confident on camera and attract more patients. And she's also the creator of This Is Video School, and they are enrolling now. I'm not getting any kickback for saying that, so... Um, look it up if that's your thing. Um, and you know, I think you're gonna love it. She's really, really great. Like so much information. So, so, so much. So let's pray and then we will get into it. Dear God, I didn't prepare anything. I didn't think of what I was going to talk to you about. How's it going? Let's all take a breath. God, thank you so much for just being you and the amazing ways that you continue to show up in this shit year. Um, help us continue to be grateful for all of the different ways that you show up and the opportunities that you're giving us, even though they're not the opportunities that we, the way we want it to look or the way we think things should be playing out or the way things should be over by now. Help us just see those, those ways you speak to us that you're there. I'm there with you in the morning. We know you're there with us while we're drinking our coffee and while we're in traffic and right now while you're listening to this podcast and you're even with me while I'm listening to those terrible podcasts that are not bringing me closer to you and are morbid and disgusting. But thank you for loving me um, just for the weirdo that I am. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, crew. So here is Virginia Kerr and getting you more confident and better on video. 
All right. So today, hi. Hi, Virginia. I'm hi. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Instagram is so weird. It makes this whole world so like, well, I kind of know you, but no, we really have never met podcasting and Instagram combined. Well, that's what video does, you know? So it's working. <laughs> it's working. It's doing what it's supposed to do, connecting people. Um, okay. So I would love if you would give the listeners, you know, so I kind of told you when I asked you to do the show that most of our listeners are female and they're either in like grad school about to become a doctor or they have a private practice. Um, so one of the biggest things that I've encountered in 10 years of being a chiropractor and just a lot. So a lot of times people will write into the podcast. Um, and the biggest thing is like this confidence in we were not told how to sell. And it's so funny because like some chiropractors get, or, you know, docs get so squirmy when we use that word sell. And it's like, yes, I know that we shouldn't have to sell this great product, but like, it's, that's what we are. We're salesmen in education, but we were never trained on it. And so when I found you, I was like, yes, people need to hear what she has to say. But before we jump into like my 73 questions, Will you give me a background on like how you got to this point in life? Yes, I started off in broadcast journalism back in 98. So I was in television news for over 11 years. And then I switched into a lifestyle show and it was an entertainment show in the St. Louis network uh, market. But we had business owners paying to be on the show. We didn't want it to look like an infomercial. We still wanted to grow our audience. We didn't want people just pitching themselves and their products all the time. So my job was to connect with that business owner, figure out how to tell their story and create an entertaining and educational segment and weave in their product or service so it didn't look like a commercial. And it was challenging, but I liked the challenge. Eventually I started my own online business to replace my income so I could start my own TV show. And that show was all about highlighting people in the St. Louis community. Many of them were business owners who were giving back. Again, it was about connecting people and sharing their stories. Not Even though we had sponsors, we didn't want it to look like a commercial in our show. And our show was very family-oriented and fun and quirky. And then I decided I can't. I can't keep this level of work up anymore. I was, I was running ragged. I was drinking more than ever in my entire life. I mean, it was not, so stressful. No, it was so bad. And I had to just put the brakes on everything and ask myself, how can I do what I love and help people the way that I know how to help them without running all over town, working 70 hours a week and it didn't just hit me. Well, it did kind of, but I started on the journey of looking for it. And then one night I'm like, Oh my, it's video. Like I, everybody needs to be able to do video now online. I don't have to go to them. I can teach them online, which obviously opens up my market. And that was before COVID hit. And now people who resisted for so long are seeing that they, they don't have a choice. You they don't really have a choice anymore. I feel like for a while, you could hide behind a really good picture. And that's yes. right. And it's just, I've been watching, um, you know, Facebook and Instagram, how they're just, that algorithm is continuing to push out still images and they just want video. And you watch like even like younger people interact with it. And it's just like, like the surge of TikTok. And you're just like, huh, 
Yeah. After like marketing for the last 10 years, it's like, oh yeah, video is, that's everything is everything now you can't avoid it. Yes. And I, I think every platform is either embracing it now or they're getting ready to launch a new platform. And I resisted Instagram for a very long time. I did not want to learn a new platform. It was overwhelming to me. I remember even being in television for 20 years at that point, my first Instagram story was nerve wracking, but I just kept pushing into the fear, knowing if I just keep leaning into what scares me, I'm going to figure this out and it's going to pay off somehow, some way. That was before I figured out I was going to launch this business. Then TikTok happened and I had the same philosophy, jump in, go all in, make the mistakes, you know, embarrass yourself, figure it out because I like it. I loved, I mean, I'm, I'm creative and I, I've loved video since I was eight and I did that. I, I have a, a TikTok account that blew up. It's all skits and comedy. And then I said, all right, let's see if I can get any customers. I mean, I had almost 300,000 people on TikTok following me, not one client for video. And I launched a second account in April. And that's where the majority of my clients now come from is TikTok. So when reels hit on Instagram, I was ready for it because I had figured out the algorithm, what works, how to keep someone's attention for 15 seconds. Cause that's the sweet spot on both of those, those platforms. And yeah, that's, it's, it's happening, people. You, you just have to do it. Do the scary yeah. thing. You can't, you can't not do it. Um, so I love hearing that ego because you come across very confident. That's what you coach women to do or coach people to do. So, yeah. Um, but I would assume like, oh, it was just easy for her. She was a news anchor. Like she didn't have any of that fear. So hearing that you didn't want to learn a new technology and that all of those feelings that I feel about TikTok. And I'm like, well, I don't know how to do the transition and I'm going to feel stupid. Like you have that also, you just leaned into it. I did. I had the majority of my life and I'm 46 years old. I was afraid of what people thought of me. I was trying to look picture perfect. That's why I went into news. I mean, if I'm really honest, I love telling stories, but I am not a serious journalist. I am not. I pretended to be for a long time. That's why I, I loved going into that lifestyle show where I could be goofy and get mm -hmm. really creative. I went into news because I was so fixated on impressing people. So that was my background. When I went all in and, and people thought I was crazy, the stuff I was cranking out on TikTok on my original account, I, but because I had just put the brakes on everything, I, I peeled back the layers to ask, why are you doing all this stuff trying to impress and, and please people? And then I got to the point that I didn't care what anybody said. And I just went all in. And my, even my mom was like, do you really think you should be spending so much time on TikTok? <laughs> I am going to figure out how to make money off of this. You just wait. And my husband was the same way. And lo and behold, like I said, 90% of my clients come from TikTok, but it's because I stopped caring what people thought. I did embarrass myself. I made really cringy viral videos, but I learned so much from that. And now I'm able to apply that to my business. So when you watch my, my reels videos, if you're on Instagram and on TikTok, I combine education and entertainment because that's my personality. And I feel very strongly that we don't want you acting like something that you're not, like I did for so many years on the news. You want to lean into your quirks and your weirdness, but also you want to establish your credibility and your expertise. And so I marry the two and I stopped watching people in my industry. I made that mistake. I made, I've made a lot of mistakes. I made the mistake of watching too many people in my industry on TikTok and I turned into them. In fact, I copied one yeah. so badly that 
that video started to go viral. She found out. People were calling me out on me copying somebody. I was mortified, but it was a great experience because I learned stop watching people in your industry. You do you. I don't watch anybody in my industry. I, I go all in on what I know. And interesting. Yeah. Where do you get your ideas then from? Because like, I mean, I am very cautious of like copying for sure, but like you know, I watch other and I'm like, oh, that's a good one. I could take that and apply that for this. But like, so how do you get your ideas? I have, I will watch someone in an entirely different industry because I can get ideas, but not be using their content, like using their information. Uh, so that is something I will do. But the majority of my stuff comes from, because people want people who are relatable. People want people who make them feel like, okay, I made that mistake, but I'm not terrible because of it. And it, a lot of what I teach is stuff that I, I did wrong the first time. I was that person who said those words too many times or I catch myself doing something. And so that's where I get a lot of my content. I also do a lot of market research and that sounds really scientific and time consuming, but it's not really what that means is I pay attention to the questions people ask me. I pay attention to, in my industry, I look at people's videos and I ask myself, how could they have done that better? I look at how people are, for instance, here's a great example on reels right now. Now I'm not knocking you if you do this. I saw this on TikTok too, and I did it myself on reels right now. The majority of the videos are people pointing to text bubbles, yes. to music. Mm -hmm. It's because they're afraid to use their voice. They're afraid to use original content. Questions. I was going to call myself out. I'm like, damn, I notice you don't do this thing that everybody else is doing. For a couple reasons. First of all, I did that on my original account on TikTok for the longest time. Then I got bored. And this is awful. I was lip syncing like long videos. Like I was lip syncing entire skits people were doing. <laughs> that took me two hours. When I tell you that I was all consumed with TikTok, it was, it was a problem but I loved it. Anyway, so eventually I had to take the training wheels off. That's what I call those, the lip dubs and the lip syncs and text bubble pointing. That Those are training wheels. I took them off and I started writing my own scripts and creating my own characters. Again, that was TikTok account number one, but I loved it. And I, and I started to see what people liked. So that's part of the market research. You look at the videos that perform well, you look at the comments people make, you know, my really cringy videos, they went viral for the wrong reasons. Well, some people like them, obviously, but they went viral for the wrong reasons. My feelings got hurt because people could be nasty on TikTok. But I decided to also learn from that mistake. <laughs> I learned from that mistake and I, I realized I need to stop trying so hard with these lip dubs and just do the characters that are running around in my head already. And that's when I started to do that. And yes, you start looking like everybody else when you're doing what everybody else is doing. And that would be the lip doves and the text pointing. And, and so I stopped doing that on my business account because and you're going to see this, it's already happening on Instagram, just like on YouTube, they gave you the music in the beginning and then they started to take it away because business owners are not supposed to be using copyright music. And that's happening on TikTok as well. And even though it doesn't seem like they're super strict about it, they now have what's called a business account on TikTok and they're going to take it away. They're starting to take it away from huge business like corporations on TikTok. And I've even heard of people getting their accounts deleted when they're business owners, they're pitching themselves and they're using music. And I decided I don't want, at the very least, I don't want my video to get muted because I have a, a video running in the background, mm -hmm. but I certainly don't want it to get deleted. And I certainly don't want my account to get deleted. So I stopped using music on TikTok 
entirely on that business one. And on when Reels started, I think I've shot two videos with a song and then I, I nixed it. Cause I know I'm one of the lucky ones on Instagram who has a business account who still has music and that it's not going to last forever. It's going to go away, but it also forces you to use your voice and people are going to trust you and see you as an authority in your industry much faster and much more when they hear your voice and they hear your original content versus Plus, I'm almost 50. I'm not going to sit there and do a dance. I, mean, <laughs> right. I tried that. I have some of those saved in my highlights. And I I gonna say, yeah, I'm going to go find this original TikTok because you crack me up when you're like educating. So I'm like, wait a minute. You have a TikTok account where you were being funny and skit. I'm going to go find that. It's bad. Yeah. Okay. So I have to share how I found you. Um, I mean, I found you on a reel, uh, but it was like, Three things to never say on like when you're starting a video. And I've been doing Facebook lives pretty much as long. Facebook live is not 10 years old. All right. So I've been in practice 10 years. I've been doing them since they kind of started. Like I was somebody who was like, okay, I'm not super comfortable, but like, I know that this is what I need to do. I understand that Facebook was really excited about them. So I've been more confident than many other people going face to camera for a long time. And I, I don't want to say I thought I was good at it. But like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't like, you know. So then I watched this video and it's like, things to never say when you're starting your live. And I was just like, oh fuck. That's like how I started <laughs> my live five minutes ago. It's, Hi guys. Oh, what's going on? Hold on. There's weird lighting right here. And I'm just like, I literally just did a live doing that. And then I'm like, and then it ended, the real ended. And I'm like, what the hell am I supposed to say? <laughs> so then it got me down this rabbit hole of your account and like, and just learning all these things where, you know, I thought I was being good and engaging and authentic and quirky, but yet I was still coming across, you know, cause I don't come across ditzy, but like, I was like, Oh, okay. So how did you, how do you straddle that line between being authentic and casual? Because I know you don't recommend having a script, but being confident in engaging, like how would you even like start a video then? If you're not saying, Hey guys, you want to look at the camera as if it is one person who is watching you. And especially on Facebook and Instagram, if you're going to save that live video, you have to remember that the majority of people who are going to see that are not on live. And if they're sitting, you, sitting there hearing you say that you're going to wait for more people to come on and you're saying hello to everyone as if there's thousands of people in the audience, it tells the person watching that they're not important because you're not enough that they, that you have to continue to wait for people to come on and they get bored. I mean, people have, we all have ADD now. If you don't tell me right out of the gate, why I'm here watching you and, and what's in it for me, I'm out the door. I've swiped, I've moved on. Mm -hmm. So the very first thing out of your mouth, it's going to feel weird when you know that people are there because you see the little, you know, the little profile circles, you have to just focus on this is a recorded video. This is a video that's going to start off with whatever I say right out of my mouth. Instagram's a little bit different just because it's a little clumsy. It, I find when, when you're trying to get it all set up and if, if you're like me, you like to pin 
a comment at the top to give it a title. Whereas in Facebook, you can put all that stuff in there before you hit live. Mm -hmm. In Instagram, my trick for that is I will take my camera and I'll flip it so that you're not looking at me and I'll walk through a room. Now it takes some practice to do this, but I will say, walking you through my laundry room, because that's where I do all my videos, walking you through my laundry room, putting you on my, I'd say you, I always say you, I'm talking to one person, putting you on my ring light. So this is entertaining because they are seeing something versus you looking at the screen, pushing buttons. And while I'm talking and walking, I am pinning my comment. And sometimes I'll say that one, I need to pin my comment real quick to make sure that people can see this, but I try not to say that, but I sometimes will say that. And then if I want to throw a filter on my face, I'll hit that filter before I hit the, the camera to reverse it. And now I'm on. So that's what I do on Instagram. On Facebook, I don't have to worry about that because you can do all that stuff before you hit live. I get right to the hook. You are about to learn the three things never to do on a live video. And I just dive right in. Now, I know people think that, oh, but we should greet people and say hello. If you really feel compelled to do that, do say hi to three people. Give yourself three people just to say hi and then move on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to sit there and start a conversation. That's one of the big no's not to do. Start asking them questions. And I've made all these mistakes. Know that. But I, the way I think about it is how do I consume videos? What annoys me the most? I don't like it when I'm having to wait. I won't wait for you. I don't like it when you sit there and tell me about your freaking day for five minutes. I won't wait for you. <laughs> like, and most people won't. Most people will not do that. I also think of this because I was a live reporter for so many years. What would I do in the field? I definitely wouldn't wait for people to come on. Mm -hmm. And that's not recorded, but I wouldn't wait for people to come on. I, I, did, I didn't even, unless it was a feature report, I usually didn't say, thanks, Larry, and, and report. I just went straight to it because it was a live report, meaning it must be something that people need to hear about. So I sense of urgency. And I just went straight into it. So ask yourself, would a reporter get on and tell you all about their morning before they got to work, before they got to the, the story of the day? No, no, no. And so, I mean, it's really putting foresight into that first one to two sentences. Yes. And so often I feel like I plan out the meat, but then it's like, okay, you press record. And it's like, all right, so we're going to get started. And it's like, but when I'm writing content, I know that that first sentence has to be like, um, it has to attract them. So it makes sense that that's the exact same thing in video of like the first sentence or two yes. needs to be the hook. Just you have two seconds before that person's going to swipe. If that you have two seconds. And if you're saying happy Friday, how's your morning going? <laughs> Mine is awful. Couldn't get the kids yeah, out the like door fast enough. Yeah, I feel personally attacked. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but we all do it. We all do it. It's, I mean, sometimes it depends on the video and stories. There's room for that. Not all of my stories are lessons, but I, I have a whole formula for stories, but I always make sure there's educational content in my stories, but you want to inject personality, but you need to ask, does my ideal person really care about what I'm about to tell them? Right. And you last night, here's an example. It was random because I, I do a lot of DIY things, but that's not my brand. I did a lot on that lifestyle show I was on, but that's not what people know me for. So I test things in my stories and I'll test things on TikTok to see if they do well. And last night, all I said was, uh, how did I start it? I said, you may not be interested in this, but you might be. I'm going to talk about a DIY project you can do on a very small budget this weekend. 
it won't be about video, but it's going to be a video about a DIY project. And, and so I'm kind of giving them that heads up. I'm going to be doing some random, and on the weekend, I'll do more of that kind of stuff. But I'm just interested to see if people care about that. And if they don't, I don't get my feelings hurt. I just won't do that anymore. Right. So you had said that when you transitioned from morning news to the lifestyle show, um, that your job was to make infomercials not sound like infomercials. Yes. And 99% of us that are doing video, well, excluding TikTok, um, are there to sell something. So what is the key to delivering that meat and potatoes that I got over my fear and I started the camera and I figured out what my one to two sentence hook was going to be then how do I deliver that meat and potatoes without it being salesy? Well, you're going to like this and your viewer is going to like this. You have to establish trust with people before they are ready to hear your pitch, before they are ready to buy from you. Especially if you're on Instagram, like most of us, you are there because you're trying to reach strangers, people that you don't know already. So they are cold, cold bodies who don't know you from Adam and you getting on your account and always pitching and looking like it, you know, ads are popping up all the time is going to turn a person off. But if you are there to help them and build trust, they're going to, and you have to be intentional with this consistently posting things that are going to help them and give them what I call quick wins. They are going to be coming back to your account to see what you're going to teach them and help them with next. And then you can't, that's called nurturing your audience. Then you can start in, you can start weaving in your sales pitch. However, there are indirect ways to pitch your sales in your service as well. Pitch your product in your service as well. And that is you use maybe a product that you sell while you're teaching them about something, or you talk about the person that you helped and how you helped her. That's social proof that you helped someone. And that's, something a lot of us miss out on. We don't spend enough time and we don't have enough discipline to go ask people for video testimonials. And I know it's awkward because now you're not only doing the scary thing, you're asking other people to do the scary thing. Mm -hmm. But if you set them up and tell them exactly what you need to come out of their mouths, you don't tell them the words, but you say, here's my formula. I say, could you do, would you be open? That's my word. Would you be open to doing a 45 second to a minute video doesn't need to be fancy. It can be in your car for all I care. Just saying the following, what you are struggling with, in my case, I would say, how are you struggling with video? What did you feel about video? Because you want those emotional words, the feelings, the frustrations, the pain points. Next part is, I want you to tell me what it's like to do video now. How do you feel now when you do video? What kind of results have you gotten from that? And the last part is, what was your favorite part about working with me and using my system? And that is the magic right there. And if they say yes to the video, now I've got a video that I can edit down if I need to take some things out. I can also take excerpts out of that and make that a written post with their picture. But if I only ask them for the text version first and they say no, they're surely not going to say yes to a video. So you got to start with the big the big bohema, bohemoth, and then you, and you whittle it down to the text. But you've got to get into the habit of sharing social proof in your stories, social proof in your highlights on Instagram and on your feed, because that is going to tell people out there, bang, she really does help people and they're going to stick around longer. So again, I tell people, I pitch maybe 
10 to 15% of the time. And the rest of my content is all value that I'm giving people. I'm teaching them things and not just in one category. I'm really fixated on who my ideal client is. You need to know who that person is. What do they need to hear from you? What do they want to know? Right now, I'm trying to figure out, does my ideal client care about my DIY projects? And she might not. And that's okay. That's okay. Um, how much, so on Instagram, I don't feel like it's as much of an issue because like the way our bio is like all condensed, but on Facebook with my business account, I feel the need that every time I go live on Facebook, I need to introduce myself. Would you, do you think that's necessary? Like, you know, so we're a very specialized pediatric and prenatal uh, clinic and we're unique in our area. So I feel like, all right, so I, I'm going to teach you how to help your child with ear infections this winter. Do I just go in and just go like, well, people figure out that I'm the doctor or can I waste that first precious time saying like, my name is Dr. Lauren Brunswick. I'm the owner of Blue Hills Chiropractic. We are the only pediatric and prenatal clinic in this area. And today I'm going to teach you. Or is it like, mm, you lost it? Is this a public account, like a page, a business page? Yeah. Okay, what's the name of your page? Blue Hills Chiropractic. Would people randomly find you if, I mean, would they, would you pop up if they didn't intentionally follow you? No. Yeah, I, I, I don't think they're. So you just assume that like they. Yes. Okay. You're, you're more like, okay, let's say they don't know you, but you start off with all that. You still haven't told me why I should watch. Right. So if you get right to the hook, and you say, is your child suffering from ear infections over and over again? Let me explain to you why that's happening and how we can prevent it. You just hit a pain point. It's my kid screams you know, every two months because he's got another ear infection. That's what I care about. Where you are located, I don't, I mean, that's white noise at this point on Facebook because it's so saturated with so many people. You've got to grab people's attention right out of the gate. And if you want to say that at the end, you can say that yeah. or in your title. Yep. If they're still with me at the end, like then maybe they care. Um, do you, I, do you edit a lot or are you okay with the going live? I mean, I know on your reels, they're beautifully made. So those are obviously edited, but like, do you recommend people still go live? Yes. I, I've been a slacker just because I launched a course recently and I've had an influx of new clients I'm going live this week, actually, because my next module in my course is all about live video. <laughs> and so I, it, what's kind of fun is I, I do the things that I'm teaching my students. And so I will literally be screen recording my phone as I do this live, talking to my students, even though I'll be live on Instagram. So the people watching will be getting the same information as my students when I post that in their, and inside the course. But yes, I highly recommend that you go live, but don't just go live to go live. Think again. Are you going to educate? Are you going to use social proof? Or are you going to do both? That's the, that's the most powerful version. That is either have an existing patient that you have come on and you guys talk about their story and what their problems were that you helped fix. Again, it's, it's kind of like a long version of a video testimonial, but you're interviewing them. And maybe if they have questions, they can ask you questions about their, their certain ailment. That is social proof. Or you tell your audience in advance, I'm going live at this time this week. Who would like to come on live with me? And I will give you a free consultation or this is 10 minutes of, of, of your time where you can ask me anything you want. I will say it's important that you 
you set those up in advance. Don't just be at the mercy of anybody watching, which some people will try to do that. You need to schedule that in advance. And even if you ask your audience, you may not get anyone interested because again, live video is scary. So you can then ask your audience, but then go and ask someone who you've worked with. That way you've got someone lined up for sure. But that is a powerful way to, because again, oh, and you're going to like this too, because when you are talking to someone on a live video, it's less stressful than when you're just addressing the camera by yourself. You're automatically going to sound personal, personable when you've got another person on because you're talking to one person, which is what you want to be doing with the camera anyway. Which is why, okay, why you're supposed to imagine the camera being one person. Yes. Okay. What do you use for your sound equipment? Like, do you get fancy with it or do you just record on your iPhone? What do you? Uh, I record on my phone everything and I have ring lights. And the only thing, well, my big ring light, she's expensive. I mean, for most people, I think they would think $240 is expensive for a ring light, but I love her. She makes me look pretty. I like her. And then I also splurge on my microphones as well. I like using a wireless microphone because again, I get creative. I like to be able to walk far away from the camera without worrying about it falling. And so I use a wireless microphone. There is a microphone I have not used that's $60 on Amazon. I've heard some people say is good quality. And I have a doctor who uses that microphone and uh, as a client, she's a client. And I use Rode Wireless Go microphone, which is a when it's all said and done, it, it could be a $300 investment, but I love it. I like the way it sounds. It's got seven hours of battery life on it. So that's what I use. Well, yeah, because if you're not going to be pointing to text boxes, <laughs> um, I don't want to sound echoey and right. sad because you're already worried that you're not entertaining people um, enough. So then having good sound is kind of important. And you don't need to spend $300. I mean, I have a microphone. I'll show it to you real fast. I use this microphone when I do my webinars. It's ridiculous. It's so long. Like, look, this is like the longest. And it's, all, it's still like, yes. But it's a decent microphone. I mean, it's got a huge windscreen on it. So that's annoying. But I plug this into my, la- or my desktop when I do my webinars because I don't want to sound echoey in my huge laundry room. And if I wanted to, I could even, this has got two I could interview somebody with this if I wanted to. But again, this is not an expensive microphone. You can find a microphone that's wired for probably $20 on Amazon. Now, it might not last you long. You might get it and it has poor quality. I had another one, I think Insigna is the brand that I got at Best Buy for $50. They've got some that attach to your Bluetooth and you can actually you know, monitor the levels, the audio levels. So it can get complicated. There's plenty out there that are not $300. I just like Rode. It's... Yeah. So you don't recommend scripts. Okay. So we've got the equipment. They know that we can't be pointing at bubbles. They're going to talk. Um, but you don't recommend scripts. So do you recommend an outline? Like, Absolutely. Yes. The way I do it is this. I figure out what my topic is. And if it, now it depends on the length of the video. If it's a reels video or a re- length, obviously besides reels, like do you try and stick under five minutes over three, less than 10? It depends on where I am, meaning where I am on Instagram or what platform I'm on. If I'm doing a recorded video on Instagram or Facebook, I try not to go over three minutes. And that's even long for me. I try to keep it around a minute and a half. Again, people have ADD. We all do. Why is Facebook pushing videos longer than three minutes? 
Have you seen that? It, they've been telling me for the last six months, like, try and get your videos over three minutes. And I'm like, bitch, I thought that was the opposite of what I was supposed to do. I don't know why. I need to look into that. I need to look into that. I'm not sure. I know that they are, if they haven't already launched it, they are launching something where you can have paid webinars where people can pay to watch your video and then they take 30% of what you make. And that could be why, because I, if they're, if they're kind of training you to do longer videos, maybe say, they I'll come back you. to like them and what they're training us and what they want their platform. Yes. Yes. Okay, so you still say like 90 seconds, like, unless you are going to jam it, pack it with information and visuals that will keep somebody and it's a recorded video is what we're talking about. Then yes, I try to keep mine because I, I just had a, a woman last night, send me a video and I said, this could be two videos. Like I thought you were done and then you started a whole new topic. This could be two videos and people are more likely to watch both videos versus watching one video all the way to the end. Oh, that's a good point. You're and really we'll think, so with reels, when you think about it, it's forcing you to learn this because you only have 15 seconds. One day it will be a minute long, like a TikTok. It will. But right now we only have 15 seconds. But I like that because it's forcing us to get really concise with our words. And what I do is I'll take maybe an IGTV idea that had several points and I'll say, okay, I'm looking at all these points. I'm going to take those five points and I'm going to make five reels and it's going to be a five parter. And what that does is if you see my tricks to looking confident on camera part six and you liked it, you're more likely to go back to look for one through five. Mm -hmm. So that's another way for you to take a longer video and make it a series. Or if you've got a four minute IGTV, ask yourself, is this really two videos that I could have split into two, a part one and a part two? Okay. That, I mean, it's so simple, but like, duh, that is going to get more views for sure. Yeah. So I didn't answer your question though. Your question was, you don't script, so what do you do? So I come up with my topic. You remembered my question. I was like, oh yeah, good job. So I come up with my topic, and I usually pull it from one of my content categories. It's part of the system I train. And I, I then take the angle. So let's say my topic is looking confident on camera. And my category was video, because that's one of my categories is video. So looking confident on camera, but what's the angle? The angle is going to be that exact tip. You know, is it going to be the angle of looking... Uh, confident and professional on a zoom? Is it going to be how to shoot a video live and look confident? You know, wh what's the angle going to be? So that's my topic. Then I can get a hook from that. How to look confident on your next live video. I try to use the word you and your in my hook as much as possible on reels. It's a little harder because you only have 15 seconds, but I can fit it in there. And then I think, what are my three points that I'm going to teach them about looking confident on that live video? I come up with those three. I don't write down what I'm going to say. I write down the, the bullet point. And if I need to write it down, what I'll do is I will say it out loud. Like people would think they're, I'm crazy if they're in my bathroom when I'm getting ready. Cause I'll think of something in the shower and then, and because I do characters, I'll literally like be there. It's like, I have a tick or something. <laughs> I can't believe I tell you this. I'll be like, I'll like imitate it. Like I'll say it out loud. Like while I'm getting ready, I just, I kind of just blurt it out. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I like that. And then I'll go write it down. So the, the tip, what I'm trying to tell you is talk out what you're going to say before you write it down. Otherwise, if you write it first and try to memorize that, you will not sound conversational. You will sound like you're trying to be too serious and 
too textbook like, and you don't, we don't like that. We, as in people, we, we want you to sound like you're talking to us. Like we're in the same room. So talk it out. And then once you like what you said, because that's how you would actually say it to a person who was standing there, then you can write it down if you need to have to keep track of that. Okay. So you are self-admittedly very silly and therefore entertaining. So how would somebody, let's say it's a female doctor who, um, I don't really believe in like introverts and extroverts, but like, let's just say they're a little more shy. Um, and they're going to talk on something serious, like recovering after a C-section, like, you know, some, how do they keep that entertaining without like, I'm assuming you're going to say like, don't not be, don't be silly if you're not silly, but like, how do they, what are the other ways to be entertaining them? Cause well, you enter- and you're like, okay, do I have to tell a joke? Should I like do voice? No, that? no. The only thing that's even funny about mine is I take the person, I, I take the what not to do's and I'm like a different character who does the what not to do's, but I always have the straight Virginia in there who is the credible source. So that's what, but I'm not saying that that's what the doctor should do. That's just what I do. I don't think you need to be silly to be entertaining. What we need, going back to the woman I was talking to last night, she was using her personality, but she wasn't being silly. And what her issue was, she had two videos in one. And when I went and watched it again, it really wasn't that long of a video. The reason it felt that way is because she was using the same camera angle and the same framed shot the entire time. And our eyes get bored because nothing changed in that whole thing. She did put a little tiny picture in the corner to illustrate what she was talking about, but I could barely see it. I was still looking at her and it was a clo- it was like a, a head and shoulder shot. So it was close up almost. And it never changed. What you need to think about is how can I change up my shots? And here's another hat that is literally going to change your life. If you don't already do it, you don't need to get on camera. And again, we're talking about recorded videos. You don't need to get on camera and try to keep all of your bullet points and everything you're going to say straight and talk for one to three minutes solid. What I do, and I train everybody to do this, is take those bullet points and shoot them all separately. Number one, you're going to be able to be able to bang that out pretty quickly because you're not going to keep messing up and having to start over. Number two, now we've given your your camera shots, freedom to change. And that's what we need to look at. We need to see visual variety. And so even if that's, I mean, I literally shoot the, like 90% of my reels in my, again, I'm in my laundry room, people. Like this is not an exciting room. But what I do is I will literally just switch the side of the camera for the next bullet point. Or I'll go from a medium shot to a close-up shot to emphasize a point. Or I'll go from a wide shot to a medium shot. And you can do that just by zooming in on the shot. Or you can shoot, you know, like I said, shoot each bullet point separately and walk two steps back from the camera so that you're further away. That's visually going to be more interesting for the person to watch. You also want to make sure you've either got subtitles or captions on or you're putting text bubbles on there because... A, the majority of people don't watch videos with the volume up, and B, even just having those changing text bubbles while you're talking out loud is visually more interesting and pleasing to the eye that helps us keep watching versus having what I call a naked video. And naked videos are when you have nothing on there except you. Like that would be 
a, a video that was not produced in the TV world. Like that's a naked video. We, we at least have, you, you know, you see the title of the, the story that you're watching. So if somebody watches and they come on late, they see exactly what we're talking about, even though they, they didn't catch the beginning of the video. Or it, I also think of stories as headline news meets reality TV. If you think about headline news, you're getting very short sound bites and very short and, and uh, small nuggets of information. But they're cha- when they produce those, they're changing up the variety of the shots. They go from video to a over-the-shoulder graphic to a full-screen graphic to a talking head, and they keep switching it up, and that's for a reason. And that's what your stories are like. I think of stories as my headline news of the day. <laughs> that makes that makes total sense. Um, and then you don't when you're doing it in little clips, you don't need editing. Uh, yeah, and yeah. you don't need multiple cameras. No. Like, oh no no no. Yeah, I was thinking for stories. Yeah, you definitely. Yeah. I don't have multiple cameras. But what I will do, if I wanted to, if I wanted to get fancy, is I might uh, say the same thing. I did this on on one of the two videos I did with music. I did this. I'll say the exact same thing again, but I'll be, I'll move my camera over here. So it's like a, we call those cutaway shots in the news business. So it would be a wide shot of me saying the same thing. So the, the, the viewer gets a wide shot of my entire laundry room and they can see me talking to my ring light as opposed to only seeing the front of me. And that's just, it. and again, they're, we're nosy people. Even though my house is like nothing fancy, I will shoot things in different rooms of my house or I'll, I do a behind the scenes every day where I just, I'll show a room for no reason. Then I put text on the, on the thing because people are nosy and they want to see what you live like and they want to feel like they're there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, this is good. Okay. So Talk me through some tips to looking more confident on camera. First of all, you have to look at the camera lens. It's so tempting to look at yourself. I know it is because we're all using that front camera, but it is distracting to the viewer. It makes you look like you're not comfortable. And if you don't look comfortable, the viewer's not comfortable. And if you don't look comfortable, you don't look confident. So you've got to look right at the camera lens. Like I'm so right now, I don't even have to be looking at the camera lens because nobody's going to watch this video because we're on a Zoom and we can see each other. But I'm so in tune to that dot on the top of my desktop. Like I've just I've trained myself to look at it. Now I was in television news and I had to look at a dot for a long time. But you've got to you, if you have to put a sticky note up there saying look here. If you have to put a picture of somebody right behind it, then do that. But it is a game changer when you look. At, it's like looking at someone in the face, in their eyes, if they were standing in front of you. You wouldn't stare at their chest unless you were that weird guy in high school. But that's what looking at yourself on camera is like. It's like you're looking at the person's chest. So look at the dot. So that's number one. Number two is start with a smile. You're going to look more inviting. If you have resting bitch face, you really need to master the fake half smile <laughs> because I have one. I have, I have my dad's big old hound dog cheeks. If I'm not smiling, I look pissed. So I, even when I'm on a zoom, I, I, I will coach this too. If you're not the one talking, if you're waiting for your time to talk, do a little half smile and nod a little bit just so you don't look bored or pissed. So smile. And another one is I stand up for the majority of my videos because your posture and your body language is better. It also helps you breathe and you want to use your hands. Like you want to be expressive with your hands. Nobody's telling you to not use your hands because that is awkward. Mm -hmm. And 
Research even shows that when people see your hands, you look more confident. It also helps you stay on point because it's helping your brain stay focused on what you're supposed to be talking about. So I use my hands. I mean, oh. you palms up, right? Yeah, and palms up. Why was that again? It makes you look more honest. Who knew? Who knew? And one of the things, again, I talk about things that I make mistakes on. I, I'm all a big pointer. I try, I'm trying not to do that. You, you want to use your hands up and, and more you know, smooth motions than those real sharp motions because that looks like you're telling people what to do, even though I am telling people what to do. But just be aware of that, but don't overthink it. And another one is, and people don't think of this, but the way you're framed makes a huge difference. If I had tons of headroom like this, it's distracting and subconsciously it says I'm small and I'm, it makes me look meek and not, not real sure of myself. It also makes people want to look at all the things in my room and not look at me and they're not listening now. So you don't want to frame yourself where you're not taking up the majority of the screen. The sweet spot is either waist up or, or your chest up and you want to have just a couple of inches of headroom at the top. So headroom would be where your head stops and the top of the, the frame starts and, and fill the screen for the most part. And you don't want to go too close either because if you're too close, like the woman who sent me the message last night, it was fine if it was like a couple of cutaway shots, but it was uncomfortable. Again, it's like someone being in your personal space in real life. If they were standing in front of you, you wouldn't want their face right here. And if you go to my old Instagram highlights, I was, because I've been cleaning them up this week because that's the course, that's the, the lesson I'm training right now in the course. So again, whatever I'm teaching, I'm making sure that I'm, I'm on point. I'm doing all the things that I'm telling them. So I was going through some of my old Instagram videos that I saved in my highlights. And I don't know why I thought this was okay, but I was the same way. I was doing everything like from the bottom of my neck up, like people could see up my nose. In fact, people were saying that on TikTok. You know, like they were talking about seeing up my nose so much that I'm like, oh, and then I did a video on it. Like I, I made fun of myself for always doing that. But it was a good thing to know because I don't want to see so, up someone's nose if, if they're standing with the camera way below them either. And so that's another thing. You don't want the camera too low. Eye level or a smidge above eye level is the sweet spot for where, where you want your camera to be. Okay. So how much editing is too much editing over perfection. Like where is that balance between like, yes, it could be better, it could be cleaner, it could be more perfect, but I've spent 45 minutes editing this reel or whatever it is. Well, this is twofold. First of all, if your editing is preventing you from putting out content on a consistent basis, then you need to stop editing so much. You're gonna get faster at it, but at the same time, at the very least, you want to edit so that you go in and you can trim your talking points so that you don't, got, you don't have these long pauses in between your talking points. So that's just trimming up each of those talking points. And that shouldn't take you long. Once you figure out how to do that, that shouldn't take you long. What usually takes the longest is adding text. When I'm doing an IGTV, I use a website called Veed. That's V as in Victor, E-E-D as in dog, dot I-O, V dot I-O, and that gives you those automatic subtitles. You do need to go in there and clean them up a little bit, but I like doing that. Again, that takes time. I got to upload it. I got to fix it, and then I got to download it, but that's the other thing. This does take time. You're going to have to figure out what is doable for you, and everybody's different. 
Is it going to be one video a week? Is it going to be one every other week? Which that's pretty sparse, but that's why I tell people to jump in stories first. If you can't do anything, do stories because you don't have to edit in either Instagram or Facebook stories. Face to camera, we need to see you talking and telling us something of value. But going back to editing, you don't need to get crazy with it. Like, yes, I said to switch the sides of the camera or switch the way that you're framed. And I do use a quick little transition, like a zoom at the beginning of my reels because they're fast paced, but I don't do more than two. And then I move on. So you don't need to get crazy with it. If you plan your videos out and you know what you're going to talk about and you know what the visual is going to be for each one of those bullet points, are you going to use a prop? Are you going to change the side of the camera? Are you going to show video over you talking or a picture instead of seeing you? What are you going to use to support it visually? Once you figure that out and you're, and you're shooting your, your talking points separately, you've just saved yourself so much time in editing already. All you have to do, all I do is I do everything I'm telling you is exactly how I shoot my videos. I shoot everything separately. I throw them into the app and all of a sudden they're all merged together. And then I go to each one of the clips and I trim them down to make sure my, my edits are tight. Is that in Veed that you do that? No, you can edit inside Veed. They just added that. I'm not, but I've never used it. So I don't know exactly what you can do in there. I use an app on my phone. Veed, by the way, is a desktop. It's a website, but the app that I use on my phone is video leap. I think it's called Envision Video Leap when you go to buy it, but when it's on your phone, it just says Video Leap. That's the one I use. InShot is another good one, and it allows you to add text, add stickers, add sound effects. So that's the one I use. Oh, that's nice. Um, I've been editing in Reels, and yeah. that's glitchy. Oh my gosh, it's yes, it terrible. Is. Um, but if I'm not going to be using the sound, I don't. I do not edit inside Reels. Yep. Ever. Yeah. No, I've lost some real quality stuff that I was excited about. Yes. And then you're just frustrated because you just. And yeah. And and you can't repurpose your video. So what I do, here's my system. I edit in video leap. So I shoot it outside of the app. I edit it in video leap. I then upload it to reels and I add my text inside the reels app because you want it to look like it belongs there. And the text I was using in video leap didn't look like text inside reels. So A, you want it to look like it belongs there. And B, the algorithm does favor you using their features. And even, and listen, I've had plenty of videos go viral on TikTok and on Instagram, and I did not edit inside the app. So it's not a do, a do or die thing. However, I do add the text inside each of those apps. So I have my naked video. I upload it to Reels. I add the text there. I take the same naked video. I upload it to TikTok and I add the text there. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people, uh, like you even see the little TikTok symbol Watermark, yeah. Reels. And one, I've been told like, Instagram's not going to like that. Like, you know, to think that your content is specific for them. And although I'm a big fan of reusing your content, it feels like you're kind of getting like the sloppy seconds. like Leftovers, exactly. Yes. That's why I don't do that. That makes a ton of sense. Um, Okay. Batching. Are you a batcher or do you just like make one a day or how do you go about that? Well, I'm not, well, I'm going to tell you what I do, but I'm not saying it's what everybody should do. It's just how I, whatever, whatever is going to keep you consistent is what you should do. Batching is a great idea for those who are really busy. I could see you coming up with content on one day, like brainstorming, brain dumping, figuring out 
in this situation, three reels that you're going to do that week. Then the next thing you're going to do is figure out when am I going to shoot these? I'm going to shoot all three on this day. And then when are you going to edit them and put all of those on your calendar? I personally will do the brain dump and I keep one sticky notes on my desk. And then I just schedule, when am I going to shoot my reels today? And then I edit it as soon as I'm done with shooting it. I put it in the drafts with everything ready to go. And then my next tip is, this is specifically for reels, but really any video, it just depends on the platform. I do not post my reels before eight o'clock central time. 8 a.m. 8 a.m. 8 p.m. Oh, 8 p.m. Yes, p.m. Because that's when people have settled down from their day. They're more like eight to 8.30. They're likely to be back in the living room with their phones out. And the same algorithm they use on TikTok is what they use on reels. And the same applies for my TikToks, except I can go as late as nine to 9.30 on TikTok because my followers are, I guess they just stay up later. I don't know. But I look at my analytics to know when this time is. Plus, I just see how other videos have performed. And the way it works is when you've got engagement from your followers, it's triggering the algorithm to send it out to the random strangers, which is what we want, because that's how you found me. That's how we're growing our accounts these days. But if you go and post it in the middle of the afternoon and you don't have a lot of followers engaged because they weren't on the app at the time, then it it can lie dormant and it, it may not go anywhere. However, what's great about Reels is just like TikTok, you can have a video wake up later. So I had a video that I shot, oh, I don't know. It was like a week. And then a week later, for whatever reason, because it was part of a series, most likely, people saw the latest in that series and they went back and they really liked that older one. And there was engagement that started happening. And all of a sudden, it, it just took off out of nowhere. So that's the beauty of Reels and TikTok. That does not happen on your posts on Instagram. It does not happen on your post on Facebook. Those suckers, they got about 24-hour lifetime before they're just going to be laid to rest. Yep, yep. So, yeah, that's why I spent... And here's the other thing. I, in all my craziness that's going on right now, um, with all the things that I've got going on, I'm not as consistent on my feed with posts as I was, but you better believe I'm consistent with my reels and my TikTok because those two are the things that are getting me the most most growth on you with the organic reach. I don't pay for any advertising. Do you post all of your reels on your feed? I do. Okay. Do you and, get and worked up about like the aesthetics and the, all that? I used to be like that. Reels has, has made me relax a little bit in the OCD department. But what I do is I always have a cover image because I want it to look like it belongs there. But I also have a cover image because I want people to be able to go to my Reels channel and see all the different titles because they're more likely to click on a video if they know what they're getting. So I always have a Reels cover photo. and Which has to be Insta story size. Yes. All the information has to be in the middle to go on your feed. I know. In the ass to learn. Well, like, you know, if you look at the grid on your phone, on your photo album on your phone, it's the same size as the grid on your Instagram. So if the photo doesn't cut your head off when you're looking at your photo album, then it's not going to cut your head off or your words off in the Instagram app. So that's a little hack. That's helpful. That is helpful because I've like posted and I'm like, forehead shot. And I'm like, damn it. I know it sucks, but yeah, so I post them all to my feed because I want that engagement with my followers. And then I watch them to see how they're performing. I give it a week and then I might go in and take, cause you can remove the, the photo from the feed. 
or the preview from your feeds. I'll take them off if I feel like it's getting a little bit crowded and cluttered, but I kind of don't care as much as I did because they don't care. People don't care. They they just want the content. Yeah. Yep. And that's something that's changed in the last year. Yeah. Where it's like you look at people who are training on social media and it's like, oh, they went away from this very like grid, like, and now it's time to post this picture. And so... I think COVID had something to do with that. I think that a lot of it, like I curled my hair for this interview, but I really don't curl my hair anymore. I, I try, I try. But my point is like with COVID, you should see my toenails right now. Heinous. Like I just don't do the things that I did before. I don't care about my grid as much. Like people are just more relaxed because we're just all trying to survive out here <laughs> with, with social distancing and remote learning and all the stuff that we're doing right now. So I think that we've gotten more relaxed with that. And I, I used to hire a photographer to take my pictures like once every three months or so with social distancing, I couldn't do that. And you know what I do? I just take a video and I take a screenshot from it. I just I use that as a picture. Yeah. Now. I just yeah. that hack recently where I was like, Oh, well that's a game changer. Yes. Cause you don't have to have anyone take your picture. You can act goofy or do whatever. Or in my case, I just use what's called B roll from a video. And then I just take a, a fun little screenshot from it and that's there you go there you go um last kind of small question if you're doing a three-part series how long is too long before releasing part two or part three like should it be like day one is part one and then like you need to post that part two within two or I have like five series going on on reels right now and I just woke one up because I'm like oh I haven't posted one of those in a long time which is common phrases that will hurt your views or get people to swipe. And so I hadn't, I just did part five the other night. I don't think I'd, it's been weeks since I did part four. So don't overthink any of that stuff either. Okay. Yep. All right. So yeah, that's right. You have multiple. I have lots of them going on. Yeah. Okay. Yep. It's just getting out of, I mean, is that kind of the key to a lot of this is getting out of your head and stop overthinking it? Yes. I mean, you want to be strategic. And you want to have, you want to know what you're talking about and you want to know what your ideal person wants because what you put out there is what you're going to get. So again, first TikTok account, not one client. I was getting lots of 13 year old girls and their moms like laughing with me, but I wasn't putting out anything that would bring in a customer or a client. Now, when you go to my business one, if, if one of my videos goes viral, I'll get some hate on it because it's some 16 year old in Nebraska that does not care about being professional on camera. But for the most part, that's because I am trying to get a specific type of person. So I'm not just going to post anything on, on that TikTok account. And so that needs to be intentional and, and thought out. But other than that, just get something out there. Like I said, go scroll through my old stuff. It was not that good. <laughs> you're going to get better with time, but you can't get better until you're bad. So you start off bad and then you can get better. I love it. Um, tell, okay, so can, you have a course going on. Yes. Is it too late? Like tell people how. No, 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 no. It's a, it's a digital course. And the great thing about it is it's a digital course that you can take at your own pace, but there's a Facebook group where I go live every week and I answer questions and I critique videos. So I, I mean, people are joining every day and all they have to do is catch up to where they want. Some people, you know, they don't have time to do all the modules. So they, they're just kind of coasting through and you can do that. And you can also sign up for one-on-one coaching with it. 
And if you go to my Instagram, it's in my bio, or you can go to my website, this is Virginia Kerr, and there's a link to it. It's called This Is Video School. And it's a lot of what we talked about today. It, it really helps you map out a plan and know exactly what you should be talking about, how you should do it. I walk you through all the video tutorials you'd ever need. I mean, and, and it's, it goes from elementary, like I've never used Instagram in my entire life, all the way to, I want to do all the things you do on your reels. Mm-hmm. It's, it, you decide what you want to learn. And I even tell them, ignore all the stuff I'm telling you right now, get used to stories first. And then when you want to get fancy, put the basic stuff out right now. I want you to do something. And then when you want to get fancy, you can come back to this tutorial and use the other bells and whistles that you're not going to use in the beginning. So you, I don't, what I don't want is someone to get so overwhelmed and bogged down with details and perfection. Itis is that they don't post consistently because lots of crappy videos can still attract the right person and crappy only meaning because you don't think they're perfect. The the person watching didn't even notice. You just have to start somewhere. But yes, that's the video course. Got it. So this is virginiacurr.com. Yes. Or, in this, yeah. or Instagram, this is Virginia Kerr. TikTok, this is Virginia Kerr. And if you want to check out the goofy one, it's this is Virginia Kerr with one R. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> yes. Well, thank she's you. She's missing something, you know. She's yeah, just not yeah. there. <laughs> thank you so much for sharing all of this. Um, yes, this was fun. I highly recommend you go follow her account on either TikTok or Instagram um, because it's incredibly educational. It's so well done. Um, and I mean, I don't mean to be cheesy, but like it's it's very inspiring of like, okay, that is what I would like my videos to look like. And it's not going to look like it next week, maybe even this month, but like, it's good to go like, all right, how can I make that applicable for what I'm doing. And yeah, look at it as like a template and then you plug in your expertise, your personality and your ideal person is my ideal person could be totally different than yours, but usually your ideal person is you, but she's you before you learned how to do all that stuff that you're so good at. Exactly. Yes. I followed you. <laughs> I followed that whole thing. So <laughs> Thank you, Laura. This was so fun. So much fun. All right, She Slayers, go follow Virginia Kerr on all of the different platforms that you can. Um, And until next week, bye guys. Hey, She Slayers, are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection, so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCED because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait.